Welcome to Agency for Change, the podcast that brings you the stories of people creating positive change in the world. We explore what inspires these change makers, the work they're doing, and how they share their message. Each of us can play a part in change. And these are the people who show us how. Hello, this is Lynn Weinman from Kid Glove, and welcome to the Agency for Change podcast. Our guest today, Craig Moody, was bit by the sustainability bug long ago and is now on a mission to help create a thriving and resilient world, one organization at a time. Today, we're going to talk about his work at Virtus Group, a company that helps organizations identify and implement their own sustainability solutions. How are you today, Craig? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Lynn. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. I love talking about what you do because it's such a hot subject right now. Tell me a little bit more about the work you're doing with Virtus Group. So we are a, an 11-year-old sustainability company. Uh, we're based in Omaha, Nebraska with an office in Lincoln and now staff in Los Angeles and Denver. As a result of the pandemic, we've had people kind of spread out a little bit just perhaps a story for another time. But we are sustainability consultants. So what does that mean? We help typically large organizations uh, identify and implement ways to be more sustainable to address the climate crisis. So we do, we work with a lot of um, higher ed institutions. We do a lot of healthcare work with governments, municipalities, really helping them understand how sustainability fits within their higher level uh, organizational structure and strategy, right? So we, we, we often tell them that if sustainability is nothing other than sort of, sort of the fad of the moment and you're going to do it because an employee or two asked about it and you're going to create a green team and just kind of tickle around the edges, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, we view sustainability as a true strategy by which most organizations can really achieve their higher level objectives. It can certainly save them money on the front end, right? Energy efficiency means less dollars going to the utility, uh, and there are any number of opportunities to save money as a result of being sustainable. But it's also, there's no question that it's a differentiator for a lot of organizations. It's a way to attract talent. It's a way to attract customers. uh, And it's a way to really kind of more succinctly think about their organizational mission, vision, and values and put it through a slightly different lens other than, you know, the traditional make money lens. So our work's evolving. You know, the definition of sustainability 10 years ago when we started is dramatically different than it is today. And so we're a big part of what we are always challenged to do is to kind of keep up with where that evolution is going and where we can continue to evolve our services as well. Craig, it's such a great topic and a great thing that you do. And I I think about you being a trailblazer at the Virtus Group and being on the front edge of this this wave. And 10 years ago, it had to really feel like you were on the front end of it when you started. I'm just curious, what even inspired you to care about sustainability in the first place? Yeah, you know, I I think I've always had sort of an an embedded ethos around conservation. You know, my grandmother was the woman who saved all of her bread bags and cleaned them out and reused them for any number of things, right? Like on the back of her door handle to the closet, there were, I don't know, 300 rubber bands that she was going to eventually use someday. So like there was, that's always been in me. 
but professionally speaking, it, it was never, you know, when I went to college, this was not a degree alternative. It just wasn't. There might have been a couple of universities here or there back in you know, the early 90s that were doing it. And now it's just prevalent. So I, I was a business finance major, got an MBA right away after graduating undergrad, and then worked at the Federal Reserve Bank for eight years. And, and it's during that tenure where I spent some time as the facility manager there. So I was responsible for the lights being on, the grass cut, the tenants happy, paying utility bills, getting the waste out the door, all of those sorts of things. And it's, it's there where I really got a, a good line of sight to uh, how many opportunities there are to make a building and their, thereby an organization more efficient and what the environmental impact of that is. Meanwhile, honestly, Al Gore's film came out and Inconvenient Truth. And so those two things kind of happened at just the right time. And then I met my business partner, Daniel Lossie, who was in fact um, going through some education where he's, he's trained in this. I am not. Right? Any learning that I'm, I've ever done has been on the job or just me soaking up as many books as I can. But Daniel brought that expertise to the table based on several years of both learning and doing so it was those three things, you know, that kind of combined to, to to line the stars up so that we were eventually kind of gravitated towards, okay, this this might actually be an opportunity to create a business where we can do some good. And that's really where it started. That was the, that was the art. I remember vividly the conversation that we had at his kitchen table when we talked about what are we really trying to do here? And we kept coming back to, we want to have a big impact. We want to have a big impact, we want to have a big positive impact, we want to do big things. We never talked about, oh, and we might be able to make a lot of money doing it too. Uh, and so I think that's still, that, that ethos is still part of our company in many ways. Like we, we're, we're, we're here, we're a company, we need to make money in order to kind of continue to do what we want to do. But we're, we still very much feel that like our purpose for being is to have that big impact. I think that's fantastic. I think people who are having a positive impact should make big money. They are the ones that should. So I, I'm all all for that. I also love, I was smiling when you were talking about your grandmother, because I'm finding as I talk to change makers, I'm finding two things that uh, have a lot in common with people's stories. And that is something that happened or someone that inspired you in your childhood and yeah. kind of living out something that started then. And then also kitchen tables. A lot of great ideas, <laughs> I think, happen at kitchen tables. Yeah, so that's sure. fantastic. Right. So let's take a deeper dive and talk about how this work is making a positive impact in the world. And that might seem obvious, but then again, I know it goes deeper than just the surface level. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to me, the biggest environmental issue of our time, in my view, without question, is the climate crisis. And, you know, unfortunately, for many years, that was very politicized. Again, probably a conversation for another day. But I think what we're seeing is that, especially when you look at younger generations, more and more people are acknowledging that it exists and that we as humans are creating the problem and foreseeing that the consequences are pretty severe, you know, like uh, comparing it to, you know, the pandemic that we're in today, uh, the flatten the curve language is very apropos for the climate crisis and keeping, you know, CO2 parts per million is the main metric that we look at from a greenhouse gas standpoint. Flattening that curve is, is the exact same thing that we need to do. I think the big difference, quite honestly, between when you compare those two things, the pandemic 
I'm under the assumption that at some point we're going to have some treatment so that we can suppress this thing and we'll get back to something closer to normal. The climate crisis doesn't afford us that opportunity. The damage is long lasting. So I, I, I really think that, you know, like the, the things that we're doing for organizations, it's that that's the main motivator from our standpoint, the thing that we're really trying to address. Now, there are all sorts of tentacles that connect to that, no question about it. Um, you know, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, there are 17 of them, and they cut across all sorts of different things that aren't environmental in some cases. You know, it's any number of things, whether it's economic prosperity, access to clean water, equal rights for women. So like the definition of sustainability is not just about climate change at all. It's not just about pollution. And it's definitely not just about recycling things. So that's a big part of what I think we're examining and exploring is where is this evolution going? And we can't do we can't be all things to all people. We can't be experts in all of those things. So our opportunity is really to figure out where we need to, to go. But the reality is all of those systems are interconnected. You know, and you know the the connections between environmentalism and social justice are very strong. Communities of color are always uh, more negatively affected than you know me as a white person. Plenty of data around that. So it, it it's not as though we can just pull this off a shelf and carve it out and say it just stands there alone. It affects so many other systems, and that creates a lot of complexity in some of the work that we do, especially when we're working. You know, as an example, with the city of Lincoln in Nebraska, who is we're wrapping up their climate action plan right now. And it's not just about carbon emissions. That's an important part, uh, but it's it's affordable housing, it's access to transit, it's, it's equal rights. It's just, it cuts across so many things. They're all interrelated. And I think that's part of both the fun and the complexity of the work that we do. Since I live in the city of Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, and we have an office there as well, I'm going to say thank you for that work that you're doing with our mayor and our city. We appreciate that. And since you mentioned so much change, what what's next for you and Virtus Group? What do you see on the horizon? Well, we're growing. You know, like you mentioned, ten years ago when we first started, uh, the I think the words were used. You words were kind of ahead of the wave, so to speak. That's that's exactly where. We felt we've been for the longest time. Uh, 2019, the wave started to crash, right? Like we were, it, things have really picked up for us. Our work is increasingly national. So we're doing work in, in Minneapolis, uh, Oregon, Seattle, Dallas. So we're expecting that continued growth. And quite honestly, in some ways, the pandemic has created an opportunity for us to more easily connect in other places where we would have hop, had to hop on a plane to go see people. So I think that geographic expansion will continue to occur. Um, you know, like any like anything, there's going to be I think a little little bit of a lull here. But honestly, we felt that for about two months, and we're back at it busier than ever, which is great. So I think we're going to see some growth. From a geographic standpoint, I think the corporate sector is the other place where up until last year, we had really just kind of been doing a little bit of that work, but we've seen some really meaningful upticks in the corporate sector from a sustainability standpoint. And really, I'm really excited about that evolution as well. So we expect more growth. And, and again, I think we're constantly challenged by how do we continue to expand our services as the definition of sustainability evolves. Um, and uh, that that will be that will be an opportunity that we it just not it's not going to go away that's always something that we've got to be mindful of the minute we lose sight of that is the minute we're stale 
uh, and, and we're going to fail if that, if that ever happens. That's fantastic. You know, I do have to agree with that. In the pandemic, uh, you, we really have learned how to take meetings, build relationships, do networking via Zoom. And I can't tell you how little I've been driving my car and I've been on absolutely zero air, airplane flights. So, you know, that's, that may have a positive impact on all of us, but it also gives those of us that are based in the center of the country, the opportunity to reach out more efficiently across the country. So Craig, what are the biggest challenges then that you face in your work, but also as someone who leads change? Well, I think I think the challenge for us, and I kind of hinted at this earlier, is being is is being able to look around the corner and know what's coming next. And it's sort of an interesting dynamic of being aware of where the industry and the trends are going, and also defining those for people. Because we are we are we are so much on the vanguard uh, that I think in many ways it's it's sort of our job to think about what's coming next and to help people foresee some of those things. So I think that's always going to, like I said, I think that's always a challenge is for us to sort of foresee what's next. I think people, you know, like organiz the organizations that we work with, that, that we, we almost require that all of them set some sort of goal, right, around some of these issues. So I think, it, you know, I, I think perhaps some of them are going to be uh, a bit more financially challenged to really allocate the resources that they might need in order to achieve some of those goals. Although I think that's very much a short-term issue. And I think it's also narrow thinking because we don't see these as just sort of short-term expenditures. These are investments and, and inevitably they have payoffs that manifest themselves in a variety of different ways, whether it be financial or uh, easier recruitment of employees, retention, so on and so forth. I think there's a little bit of a short-term challenge there, but I, I don't. I don't think it's. It's. I don't think it's a meaningful one. And you know, as a as a manager of change, so to speak, I mean, I think we're trying to manage our own change internally, right? Like we haven't been really in the office together for a very long time, and and that's been both good and bad. You highlighted some of the good things with respect to limited travel and more efficient meetings, as an example. But you know, there there are going to be. There are, there are going to be other consequences that I, I think none of us really know about yet. And, and that's a big part of what we're really trying to think about internally and helping not only our customers, but also anyone who will listen, explore this idea of, can we create a new normal that is just sustainable, thriving, and resilient? Because I think it would be a tremendous shame if we go through all of this and we don't learn anything and really pivot our society in a more sustainable, just way. I, I think that would be a tragedy if, if we just kind of default back to, well, let's just get back to the way it was before. That The way it was before, it was not, it was not working for everyone. And the, the pandemic is shining extraordinarily bright lights on many of those issues. So that's a big part of what we're really focused on right now and trying to foster a conversation around is let's let's be deliberate about creating a new normal and let's talk about what it could be and let's take some action to get there. Uh, that that gets me super excited because I think we can play a role in that, you know? Like when we talk about big impact, that's that's what we set this firm up to do and I think we have a tremendous opportunity to foster that. Craig, I'm going to say amen to that. If we don't learn through 2020, right, and come out 
differently. We're doing something wrong. I'm even going to take it to the point where I have in my mind, 2020 is not a bad year. 2020 is the year we all needed to hit the reset button. And I've yeah. heard your partner, Daniel, do some speaking on that as well. Yeah. That also could be a topic for another podcast. Yes, of course. So, yeah. so Craig, as you think back to, um, I can't imagine what it must've been like, you're in a high level position at the Federal Reserve. Uh, you're telling your family, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur. I'm gonna change and do something nobody's ever done before. You know, as you think about yourself as a change maker, what advice would you give to someone else out there who also aspires to lead positive change? Well, I think I had a healthy dose of ignorance when, when, yeah, honestly, like. That's not a bad thing when you're doing an entrepreneurial adventure. Yeah, I mean, part of it was, you know, I, I left the Fed, um, the Fed was was uh, contracting a little bit in Omaha, so I knew I was leaving. Took some time off, and honestly, I took a job that uh, I I didn't enjoy soon thereafter. Which I mean, there's nothing that will light your fire to start your own business than a job that you dislike. You know, so I wouldn't tell people to go find a job you dislike necessarily, but it you know it just like the things. For me, it was just about what do I really want to be spending my time doing? And, and the reality was, I think both Daniel and I kind of acknowledged that let's just, in, in some ways, we, we need to have a sense for what we're doing and what the plan is here, but let's just dive in and learn as we go in some ways and, and trust ourselves to figure it out. If, if I knew then what I know now, I'm not sure I would have started the business, quite honestly. Uh, because I think it's a lot scarier proposition than probably I realized. And I, I put that on myself, you know, I'm an MBA. I should at least have some stinking knowledge about what it means to start a business. But I, I think I think the advice that I get I would give then perhaps is is to not put too much pressure on yourselves to have all the answers on day one. Because there's no way to know. I don't have all the answers today. We've been doing it for 11 years. You know, like it's that's part of the evolution and allowing yourselves to learn on the go and let the marketplace tell you, you know, what they're going to, what they want from you in some ways, you can't predict all of that. Uh, and so we've, we've, you know, we've had a healthy amount of, well, we don't know, let's figure it out, hire the right people. They can help us figure it out too. And, and we'll just kind of learn on the fly. Fortunately, it's, we haven't, <laughs> haven't made too many mistakes doing that. I think that's a common uh, thing I hear from other entrepreneurs yeah. too. Yeah. One thing I say to my team is we're smart. We'll figure it out, right? We'll, we're smart. So bringing this all full circle, me being a marketing person, I always like to ask one question about how do you get the word out and amplify the great work that you're doing? How do you let people know? Yeah, you know, we're, we're not mass marketers by any stretch of the imagination. We've always described our, our marketing model as hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's, that's not possible today. Uh, uh, so we're, we're very much shifting to a more content-oriented platform. Um, the, the, the main thing that we're really interested in right now is, is through a program that we've always affectionately called Green Eggs and Bam. So that's green comma eggs and bam. Um, and it started as... Uh, an invite only form where we would invite some people in and have a very structured conversation around, as an example, you know, how do we get to zero waste as a community? So just exploring these really big ideas 
around sustainability to try and be serve as a catalyst for moving you know our community forward more than anything. We're we're altruistic in that way. Well, we're spinning that so that it's virtual now. So we just did our first virtual Green Eggs and Bam about a month ago and invited in someone from Project Drawdown, which is an organization who's examined and has identified all these different ways, solutions that exist today to mitigate climate change. And so she did a phenomenal job speaking. We had 90 people there. We broke into small groups and did some ideation. So it was really well attended, interesting. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on it. And now we're the question that we're really kind of framing all of this with is the one that I mentioned earlier, which is we're in a pandemic. What can we learn from it to create a, a more sustainable, just, resilient, thriving new normal? That's the frame for a lot of these conversations. So a lot of the content that we're driving uh, going forward is really framed around that question. We just announced, uh, I think it was earlier this week, we pushed it out yesterday, as a matter of fact on July 23rd that we're doing uh, just little 10 minute snippet interviews where Daniel or I will we'll just have one guest. We're gonna talk for 10 minutes, keep it peppy and record it on Zoom and then push it out. And, and again, it's all around the same theme. And, and so we're gonna start creating some content and hopefully uh, we put together a tight enough strategy to ensure that we're, that is the way in which we can start to kind of gain some traction with people and share it. You know, and it and it's and it's both attracting new people uh, to the environment, so to speak, uh, but also it's content creation that we can share with our current, past, and future clients uh, that is thought-provoking, interesting, and kind of ch challenges their thinking in a little bit, uh, a bit as well. So I'm super excited about it. I, I'm doing my first interview today with uh, Dr. Ali Khan, who is the director. Well, the dean of the College of Public Health at the at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, and wrote a book on called "The Next Pandemic." I mean, he 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 is so unbelievably busy right now. This is all of all of his thinking, writing, studying, and research have directed him to this point where we are today. Right, like he is one of the world's foremost experts on pandemics. Full stop. And I'm going to talk with him today for ten minutes, so I'm super excited. About that. That's really cool. I saw that. I saw that promotion come out on your social media yesterday and made a note to make sure that I stay on top of that when those come out. I think that'll be fantastic. Yeah. Craig, one other thing I love personally is motivational quotes. Yep. Do you have any words of wisdom that we could share with people as a motivational or inspirational quote? Well, I, I, the thing that I lean on every day, and this is something that I say to my daughters before they leave the house or when they, when they were going to school before they would leave the house, is work hard, have fun, and be kind. Love it. Um, the, that's, that's the rule at our house. That's, what we, that's the mantra that we come back to. We will oftentimes sit at the dinner table and we will review our days and talk about, tell me about a time when you worked hard or when you had fun and tell me, give me a person who you were kind to. And so I think if we can check all of those boxes every day, I think we'll call it, you know, we'll call it a successful day. The world will definitely be a better place. <laughs> so Craig, I really appreciate your time today. For people who want to learn more about Virtus Group, how could they find out more about you? Yep, the, web, the website is uh, virtusgroup.com. That's V-E-R-D-I-S group.com. And if you're interested in that Green Eggs and Bam uh, forum that we're hosting, virtual forums, I should say, that's virtusgroup.com backslash G-E-B is where we'll be posting all of those. G-E-B for green eggs and bam, right? 
You got it. Yep. I'm, I'm going to look that up uh, and stay on top of it. So <laughs> you go. Put the bookmark it, Lynn. <laughs> uh, you got it. You got it. Craig, I so appreciate you spending time uh, with me today. And but even more, I appreciate what you and Daniel and the Virtus Group are doing to change the world. So thank you so much. Indeed, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Lynn. You've been listening to Agency for Change. If you're enjoying these inspiring stories, please subscribe. Is there a changemaker you'd like to recommend for this podcast? Just visit the Kid Glove website at kidglov.com to share or to listen to more stories about the people behind positive change.